0: uh, Ephesians chapter 2. Now, can we try and read this all together? Can you read it? Okay. Um, I'm going to count to three and then we'll all start together. One, two, three. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are His house built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. One more. There we go. Here we go. One, two, three. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you are Gentile, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. I'm sorry, I messed that up, didn't I? But I didn't throw you off. Do you get the picture? We are being built together as a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. Our series is Better Together. Let's just pray and ask the Lord's hand on this as we open His Word over these next moments. Lord, I, I just thank You for Your Word. I thank You, mighty God, for what You are doing in this house. That God, uh, Your... You're, Drawing people in with unique gifts and unique talents and abilities and, 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 and Lord, you're fitting us together to be a, a people, mighty God, that you're going to use, that, that, that you will inhabit this place, that you will flow by your spirit and you're going to use us here in Kona, mighty God, and we just thank you for it, Lord. I ask that you would bless the word as we open it together today in Jesus' name. Everybody say, amen. amen. You may be seated. I want to give you kind of an overview of the book of Ephesians. And I'll just encourage you, I would really challenge you to begin to read the book of Ephesians. Now, the the reason that I felt like we needed to do this is, um, I talked a couple weeks ago, Ephesus experienced a mighty revival. The apostle Paul, he was delayed over and over again. The Lord didn't release him to go into Ephesus, but when he finally did, I'm telling you, demonic powers came down, false religious systems came down, and there was an incredible revival. You can read about it in Acts chapter 19. I mean, this is it's just amazing. You, you ever read about that moment where Paul's handkerchiefs and his aprons were brought out from him? People were getting healed. Demons were being cast. I mean, you imagine, like you take my sweat rag and you imagine that God is moving so mightily that you can literally take the preacher's sweat rag somebody is sick at home and you go put that rag on them. Or your child is, uh, I mean, how many of you got a child that every once in a while you, they act like they're demon-possessed? Uh, wouldn't it be nice? You just go in and slap them with the rag and all of a sudden that demon comes out. Praise God they're set free. I mean, that's what the Lord was doing in this day. This was the the capital of pagan worship, Diana worship, uh, horribly, horribly pagan uh, and uh, and god moved so profoundly there in ephesus that literally the temple was dismantled that literally that worship system in fact they had billions of dollars worth of idols and witchcraft books that were brought together and birth. that's revival could you imagine god doing something like that in this day and age where every other religion is so impacted by the gospel of Jesus Christ that every false religious system ceases to be. The people that got witchcraft or Wiccan or or whatever, other other religions, uh, whatever it is, people are bringing their Buddha statues and people are bringing their, what do the Muslims use? Uh, You know, all these people, they just forsake their religion and say, no, I believe that Jesus is the way. That's what was happening here in Ephesus. Absolutely incredible. Not only that, but but almost everything that we learn about spiritual warfare is in the book of Ephesians. And so I felt very, very strongly that we needed to begin to dig into this book. I feel like what God did there in Ephesus is what God's going to do here in Kona. I feel like this is a day and this is an hour where we need to be serious about spiritual warfare. How many understand? The book of Revelation says, he says to to beware. He says, woe to you. He says, uh, for those who are dwelling on the earth, because he said the devil has come down. And he has great wrath knowing his time is short. I don't share that to scare you, but I want you to understand. The closer we get to the return of Jesus Christ, the more intensely the enemy is going to be moving in an operation. And and what I determined quite some time ago is I am not going to let the devil be more passionate about extending his agenda than I am, than our church is about extending the kingdom of God. So we need to learn how to war. Now, there's three major sections in Ephesians, and we're going to take them uh, over over the next, we're, we're going to spend a lot of time in this, so I'm not going to rush through it. But here's, I'm going to give you the three sections here, and they're the three points of our message today. Sit, walk, and stand. Sit, walk, and stand. Everybody say those three words with me together. Sit, walk, and stand. In fact, you'll see our little stick figures on stage, uh, on, the, on the screen here. we got a guy who's sitting there. We've got a guy who's walking. Now, standing is not just kind of standing around, okay? Standing, and I'll talk about it a little bit this morning. You notice he's got a sword. He's got a shield. We're going to talk about withstanding the enemy and standing in this evil day. And so those are the things that we're going to learn to do. But first, we need to learn to sit. Everybody says Sit. Yes, hey, Pastor, that doesn't sound very fun. Can we just go ahead and skip to the warfare part? No, you need to learn how to sit. You need to learn how to sit, okay? Ephesians chapter 1, and this is powerful. I'm gonna tell you right now. Anybody who wants to have authority in the Spirit, I mean, how many of you would love, you ever walk into a house and you just feel like a heaviness there? Or maybe you even drive into an area. You can tell there's been, you know, just weird worship that's gone on. I mean, anybody ever sense that kind of thing? I think a lot of us have. Wouldn't it be awesome to know you are positioned in authority to say, no. I command that thing to come down. No, I command any wicked thing that's in the house, uh, in this area, in my workplace, in my school. Wouldn't it be wonderful to just be able to step into a place and see demonic power in every unclean thing just completely broken off of an area? How many of you would like to operate an authority like that? I know that I would. I'm going to tell you. Memorizing a scripture about authority is not going to do that for you. We need to understand what we are seated in. Everything about our authority, everything from from power. You want the power to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. You want to preach with the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Whatever it is you're desiring God to do, we first need to learn how to sit And I'm going to show you this, Ephesians 1.17. It says this, it deals with a lot of the things that God wants to give us. The spirit of wisdom and revelation. He wants to open your spiritual eyes. He wants to reveal the riches, glory, inheritance, power. I mean, that's some good stuff right there. But watch what it says in verse 20. He said he worked all those things in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him. Everyone say, seated him. He's seated at the right hand in heavenly places above principality, power, might, dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also the age that is to come. So, trek with me here. Jesus, first of all, is seated. Above every demonic and natural power, every name that is named. So, so you can name cancer or poverty or racism. I'm telling you, even names like Democrat or Republican. Guess what? Jesus is an authority over all of those things. Hallelujah. He's an authority over Satan. He has been seated at the right hand. And all blessings are found in Christ who is seated at the right hand of the Father. Now that's good stuff. But I'm about to blow your mind. If you get what I'm about to tell you, is going to transform everything for your life, for our city, for our church. Because that passage continues in an Ephesians chapter 2, in verse 5, it says this about you and about me. It says, When you were dead in trespasses, He made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved, and He has raised us up together. You're going to see this better together theme a lot. He has raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. All of those things I was just talking about. Riches, glory, inheritance, authority over demonic power. Every name on the earth. Jesus is seated above that. But guess what? If you could believe it. If you could receive it by the grace and the gift of God you and I are also seated above all of those powers as well. Oh my goodness. You've been saved. So we get to sit with him. I've been reading in my daily Bible, reading again the story of Esther. And many of you remember that moment where where Esther, I mean, here's here's a, a, a peasant. Here's a nobody who becomes a queen. And there's this moment where she approaches the throne of Xerxes. And anybody knows, in fact, she's warned before she goes into that throne room. If you approach that throne uninvited, he could have you executed. But she approaches that throne. And you guys know the story. Maybe you've seen the movie. The king then extends his scepter. It's an act of saying, I I receive you into my presence. I will hear you right now. She found favor and ends up up saving God's covenant people. It's an incredible story. You ought to read it if if you're not familiar with it. That's an earthly throne. And you imagine the terror of approaching a throne like that. You imagine the terror of approaching a throne that you knew. If I don't do this the right way, I might get killed. That's a scary thing. And how much more do you think it is to approach the throne of the living God? I mean, you just imagine. I mean, you have moments like Moses. I don't know if you ever ever thought about this, but, but Moses asked, Lord, would you show me your glory? And, and he says, well, I can't show you that, Moses, because you'll die. And I had moments where I was in prayer meetings. I mean, I especially remember when I was young, and I'd feel the presence of God come into the room. I remember on a couple occasions being afraid, like I better close my eyes. I better lay on the ground because if I look up and God's standing in the room, I'm going to die. Anybody ever have a moment like that? And I, I remember thinking some of those things growing up. But what is incredible, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16 does not say that we come before God's presence timidly that we come afraid I mean there's a fear of the Lord believe me but it says that we can come boldly before God's throne of grace now I would submit to you this is crazy okay I'm a mess with some of you I believe that not only are we allowed to approach the throne but there is a sense in which when we are in right relationship with Jesus, it's not just that we get to come up and approach the throne and make our needs and make our desires and make our prayers. No, no. We actually get invited. Jesus is saying, hey, come up here and sit with me on the throne. That's huge, you guys. That is huge. We must learn how to sit. We must learn what it is to abide in the body of Jesus Christ. Some people, man, they're just ready to go. They're just, no, oh, Pastor, I'm just ready to go. Let's go to war right now. Well, you're not ready for war. We need to learn how to sit first. And my wife, she was reminding me one of the most powerful things that she ever taught my kids. Mariah, Gabriel, they're like one. Right? They're just learning how to walk. And one of the very first things, as is, is little Gabriel starts waddling around, right, one of the first things that she teaches, Gabriel's almost 12 now, and, uh, but one of the first things that my wife taught Gabriel was sit down. Yeah. Gabriel James, sit down. We actually called him Bobo all growing up. You guys can call him Bobo if you want. Bobo, <laughs> sit down. Yeah. We called him Bobo because Mariah wasn't able to say Gabriel She was like two when he was, she was one when she was, when he was born. But I mean, she was about two. She starts talking. She couldn't say brother. So she said Bobo. So we all started calling him Bobo as well. So uh, I'll probably call him Bobo when he's 30 and married. Hallelujah. But uh, we taught him, Gabriel, Bobo, sit down. Bobo, it's time. It's time to eat. Sit down. Bobo's no running around the church. Sit down. We taught him how to do, you know, I mean, I want my, my kids. I mean, Gabriel, now he knows how to ice skate. He can play hockey. I mean, he can do all kinds of stuff. I mean, he can, you should see him twirl a lightsaber. I mean, he's got some, some real skills in some areas, but, uh, we had to teach him how to sit before he learned how to war, before he learned how to run. He had to learn how to sit. And I'm telling you, there was a moment, in fact, my wife shared with me, a. A story, I'd, I'd forgotten about this, but I remember seeing when it happened. It was a mother who took her one and a half year old baby. They went to the pool, and I think this was at a hotel or something like that. And uh, mom sits down. She's getting everything situated. Baby sits down as well. I believe it's a little girl, right? Little girl, she sits down, and mom ends up getting distracted with something. Well, that baby ends up getting up and wandering off. And that baby ends up falling into the hot tub. The problem was nobody saw what had happened and the jets were going and so they couldn't even see this baby as, as she began to sink to the bottom of the pool. There was a security guard who was actually sitting in his office watching the screens and he saw this child go and fall into the hot tub and not come up. So the security guard gets up and he begins to run. Now the problem is his office is clear on the other side of the campus. By the time he got over there, seven minutes had passed. That child, nobody had noticed, nobody had gone in, nobody had seen. But that security guard ends up going, diving in, taking the child out. They end up resuscitating the child, thank God. The child survived. The child lived no long-term damage or anything. But the thought occurred to me. If mom had only instilled in her child what it meant to sit down, and you don't move until I tell you, sit down, that disaster could have been completely avoided. And I'm telling you, you'll read in the Bible about the seven sons of Sceva. These guys go, they're trying to cast out devils, and they end up leaving wounded and naked. You want to know why? Because they were not seated. In Christ, they didn't have right relationship with Christ. Even when the disciples, and the Bible says in Luke chapter uh, uh, 10 and 11, the disciples come back, Jesus had sent them, they go casting out devils, and they come back amazed. Jesus, devils came out when we prayed. And Jesus stopped them. He said, Don't rejoice that devils come out, you rejoice that your name is written in heaven. He says, You want to, you know what he was doing? He's saying, You're not so powerful. You're not all that. The reason you have authority is because you are seated with me in heaven. Church, if we're going to operate in authority, we're going to live lives, not damaged. I don't want you running out of homes wounded and naked, praise God. The way that we're going to learn to do life together is when we understand we are seated together with Jesus in heavenly places. Very, very important. So first of all, we are seated together. Everybody say, we're better together. We're better together. Now number two, number two is the word walk. Now, I'm not going to talk a lot about this this morning, but I just want to give you a couple ideas, chapters four through six of Ephesians. So, you know, and, and let me just, let me give you a, some help because I want you to begin to read the book of Ephesians. I want you to begin to study some of this out you'll see the word seated very often in like the first few chapters of Ephesians but what i also want you to look for is all the moments that it says in Christ or in him or in God all of those are positional sort of things as you're in Christ you will you'll you'll you know that's where that's where our authority comes from but then there's this walking okay and you'll see that chapters 4 through chapter 6 talks a lot about walking we learn how to sit We're going to learn how to receive. This is why now, now let me just warn you, okay? Uh, I want everybody doing something for the Lord. We're never going to be a people that just sit around all the time, okay? Now, there may be a time where we say, listen, before I give you a microphone and have you doing all this and that, uh, I need you to sit in this class for a little bit, and I need you to go through. It's a four-week class, and I need you to do, we're going to start stuff like that, but I also recognize that we're a new church, And so it's like we meet guys like Junior. Junior comes into the church, and I see Junior tapping his foot during worship. And I'm like, Junior, would you play drums for us? You look like you could keep a beat. And, you know, that actually came out of a prophetic word. The first night that he was here, it was a Tuesday night. Him and his family, you're eating Chinese restaurant, isn't that right? And uh, they just come walking by. They hear the worship, and they come on in. And then during our prophetic ministry, somebody heard drums. As we were prophesying, we do what we call blind prophecy. We selected him. And there were all these words about drums and worship and warfare. Sure enough, we find out after the service, Junior's a drummer. Praise God. So we didn't waste any time. I think the next, like the next Sunday, we had you playing drums. Praise God. So, uh, but you know what? He's actually sitting, so he's fine. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Alright, that was dumb. Okay, so second thing, we're going to walk. Everybody say walk. Walk. You'll notice that the Bible gives a couple things, and again, I'm not going to expound on these, but I just want you to see in Ephesians 4.1, it says that we are to walk worthy of the calling of Jesus Christ. The life that we live, the things that we do, it reflects on Jesus, you understand. And when you get saved, guess what? It's not just about you anymore. When we're mean to people people are going to say wait don't you go to that king's church People are going to say wait aren't you a christian now and you're talking like that there's also this sense in which when we do good when we bless people when we're an encourager when we're when we're the best we can be in the workplace when we're kind to our wife in public right there's going to be a moment where people say i know you're not that skilled i know you're not that nice what's going on with you you say glory to god The Lord has touched my life. Yeah, I used to be a jerk, but Jesus saved me. And now I'm actually kind of nice most of the time, you know. I've got that kind of testimony. Maybe you have that kind of testimony. You need to work on the sour face look sometimes. But I tell you, man, God does a work in our lives in everything we do as we walk through this life. We're walking together whether you realize it or not. You're walking with Jesus and you reflect on Him. You reflect on this church. You reflect on your brothers and sisters in Christ. Everything we do. So it's important to walk worthy. Everybody say walk worthy. Worthy. Walk worthy of the call. Ephesians 6.10 says that we are to walk in love. Oh my goodness. You know, one of the things that encourages me is I've had more people say coming into our church first time guest, your church is so friendly. This is the friendliest church I've ever been to. Guys, can I just, let's never lose that. Let's always be that, okay? I don't care how many years go by. I don't care how many hundreds of people come through. We can always be a church that loves people and cares about people. That's how we're called to walk. Hallelujah. Uh, number, the next one is we're to walk as children of the light. Now, again, I'm not going to preach on this, but I just I want you to gear, you know, you know just kind of ready yourself because this second phase, as we look, here's the walking man, right? There's going to be a time where I challenge each and every one of you to do something that is invitational. To do something that is evangelistic in nature. To do something that is going to pull you out of your comfort zone and be a witness to somebody outside of the church. I've often compared, there's a lot of, there's a lot of churches that are what I would call very ingrown. We care about us, we care about our own, but I believe that an ingrown church is about as enjoyable as an ingrown toenail. Really, if all we're concerned about is ourself and my own growth and bless me. You ever meet people that are just, you know, well, what about me? And what about every story you tell? They got to one up it, right? Uh, You you ever meet people like this? It's not pleasant. You don't want to hang around with people like that for a long time. Have you ever met someone who's constantly just encouraging? Someone who's constantly blessing Someone who's constantly, man, tell me about yourself. I mean, some of the most incredible leaders. My wife was talking about. She used to work at this golf club, and uh, former President Bush was a was a member there. And I remember her talking about meeting President Bush. And here she is. She's a she's a waitress. She's coming and bringing him his quesadilla, and he stops and begins to ask her questions, begins to talk to her. She's a nobody. He's the president. But he had this moment where he just locks in and it's just like, he really was there. He really was engaged. He wasn't just, okay, now leave me alone so I can get on with my, my, my talk here at the table. No, he was at, guys, we can be that. You're not more busy than the president, I promise you. And if he can slow down and pay attention and love somebody and let it be about them, we can do that too. Let's be that, amen? So I'm going to challenge you. We're gonna now. You got about a month to to get ready to ready yourself, uh, because we're gonna do some outreaches, especially as we approach Easter. I'm gonna give you some flyers. We might go knock on some doors. Some of you might even have a passion go preach on a street corner. I don't know. I, I mean, we've done all that kind of stuff, and I love it. It's praise praise God. It's fun. But uh, and you say that's terrifying, Pastor. I don't want. To. Well, here's here's the thing. What's our series called? Better together. We're gonna go together. I'm not going to send you out there, all right, all right, okay, junior, you've been in our church about a month now, here's, we're going to give you a megaphone, go stand on the corner out there, no, I'm not going to do that to you, okay, unless you want to, but, uh, but we're going to go together, we're going to learn together, we're going to grow together, and, uh, and I'm going to stretch you, okay, because we're, we're going to grow together, hallelujah, here's the last one. Oh, and this one's my favorite, everybody say, stand. Ephesians 6.10 says this, and, and you'll see where I get this. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You'll see it again in verse 13. Put on the armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Now that word withstand, it is actually where we get the same word antihistamine. Very interesting. So anybody who may have allergies, you'll take an antihistamine. And what happens is that antihistamine begins to work in your body and literally begins to fight against uh, uh, those, uh, those allergies. It begins to resist those things. Now, to withstand, it means to stand against. It means to vigorously oppose, to bravely resist, standing face to face against an adversary standing your ground these are powerful statements and I want you to understand when we talk about standing in the evil day standing against the wiles of the devil having done all we stand I'm not talking about guys let's hold the fort I think Jesus is coming back soon, so we just, you know, it's evil out there. Everybody get off social media, and we just need to hunker down and protect ourselves. It's not what I'm talking about. That is not what we are supposed to do. No, there is this moment where we boldly stand for the Lord. We understand who we are seated in. We're living, we're active, we're moving in this life with Jesus. And there is this moment where we stand, I'm facing evil Face to face, Satan himself is wrath. He's full of wrath and moving in this last day. But we withstand him. We stand our ground. We don't shrink back. In fact, you'll notice that the armor of God, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, somebody pointed out one time there's no back pieces to the armor of God. There's no, there's nothing. There's no retreating when it comes to withstanding in this evil day. There's no retreating when it comes to resisting the devil. The Bible says if we submit to God and we resist the devil, he will flee. Amen. We're going to be victorious in this last day, church. We're going to be victorious. Now another side point is you'll notice that the armor of God also has no pants, but uh, we won't talk about that one. I don't know what that's all about. (laughs) But we're going to stand because the return of Jesus Christ is near. Jesus said, that's true, look at, I mean, read the armor of God sometime. I know some of you still can't get that picture out of your mind. Uh, You know, now now when our kids are in children's church and we teach them about the armor, they're going to have some like Roman looking thing, but anyway. hallelujah Um, okay we better get on track here Jesus said in John 94 he said uh, 9 4 he said it is day there is night coming that's talking about judgment he says I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day night is coming when no man can work you understand we've got a job to do we have things to accomplish in this last day church I do not believe that God has called my wife and I to Kona. I don't believe that he's called you guys to Kona, to this church, just to sit around and enjoy some nice worship services together. It's awesome. We glorify God. We're going to grow. We're going to learn. We're going to be discipled. But there is a task that needs to be accomplished in this last day. There are demonic powers over this region and area that need to come down. There are people that are in bondage right now that desperately need to be set free. There are people that are destined to go to hell right now if you and I don't intervene with the love and the gospel of Jesus Christ. What we are doing in this day, in this city, it's not just about having a nice, uh, you know, wow, we've just got a nice beautiful church. Look, we bought a whole mall, bragging rights, hallelujah. That's not what this is about. We're believing for God to establish a significant church because this is going to be a hub of revival. This is going to be a place where the spirit of God is poured out. And it's not poured out just so we can get goosebumps and fall on the floor. I believe for all of that kind of stuff. But God is going to empower you to be a witness, to withstand in this evil day. We're not going to be like people built on sand and just every doctrine that comes. And every offense that comes, every sin that blows our way, it derails us. And now we're backsliding. Now i got to get right with God. No, we're going we're to see some mighty warriors raised up in the house of God. I'm telling you, I believe for some of these young kids, man, they're going to become seasoned in Scripture. In fact, I love, uh, <laughs> there's a young boy uh, in our church in Lahaina. His name is Kaenna, And uh, Ka-ena, man, how old was I mean, he's Gabriel's age. He's a couple years younger. He's eight now. I mean, even when he's, this kid's like six, somebody would say something. In fact, I remember one, one kid said something about, I like this girl. I think she's pretty. And Kaenna, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. I'm like, that's right, Kaenna. You tell him. You can date when you get married. You don't need to be thinking about nothing until then. And I love that, man. He just, I rebuke that in Jesus. Now, I heard that from, from him a couple different times, but we need some kids like that, man. to just, withstand in the evil day, right? <laughs> you ought to try that sometime. You submit to God, you resist the devil, and he will flee. Oh, my goodness. You guys, I I believe in this last day. In fact, Rodney Howard Brown, he came out with a word, and I believe this is happening right now. (sighs) Rodney Howard Brown shared it just before lockdown and the pandemic and all this stuff happened. He prophesied that there would be a sifting coming to the house of God, a sifting that would be coming to the church. And, And we've seen this. I don't know if you realize this, but I, I mean, I watch a lot of churches. I follow a lot of churches. And, and I've noticed that individuals who are taking a stand during this time. Those who are, who are willing to boldly say, you know, my, my, our, our church in Lahaina, our church on Maui, we never shut down. We never shut down. We never stopped allowing people to come together and to worship and to seek the Lord. A lot of churches did. There's churches that still aren't open right now. And I'm watching this. And, and what's frightening is you're, you're watching churches that, that have remained open. Did you know that our church just on Maui, I mean, guys, if you ever go over there for a conference, if you show up on a regular Sunday, it is jam-packed. Before COVID, that church was about half, maybe sometimes 75% full. But during this pandemic, they've remained open. They have withstood. They have, they have not backed down. They have not shrunk back in fear. Now, they do, you know, they sanitize. They do. That. I'm not saying that we're going to be reckless or any of that kind of stuff, but they have not bowed their knee because Governor so and so says whatever. They have withstood, and the church is jam packed. It's incredible. And I thought for a while, because I I had friends that I'm watching, man, and they're, you know, they they open up their church. They can't get 30% of their people to come back. And I'm like, what's going on with this? And I wonder. Maybe it's a Hawaii thing, man. Maybe we're just all so ohana, and we're just family and love that, man, we're just, we're going to get together. But you know what I've discovered? I watch guys like Rodney Howard Brown. Now, he got arrested because he took a stand. You can buy a shirt with his mugshot on it. It's awesome. I want one. And uh, But here's this guy, and did you know, they've had services now for over 200 days in a row. And you look, every service, jam-packed. We're watching John Kilpatrick. Now, John actually got COVID. He was a pastor of the Brownsville Revival, pastors of a thriving church in Alabama. He got COVID, but guess what? He's kept his church open. He's pushed for this thing to move forward. And guess what? Their church is jam-packed. I'm watching all these guys now. You look at a guy like MacArthur. Now, MacArthur's not a Holy Ghost guy, but MacArthur took a stand against all of this legal junk. They, he's in California, in L.A., where it's been more intense than just about anywhere in our nation. But he took a stand. We are not going to close down during this time. And would you know, not only did, uh, did uh, Barr, what do they call him, the, the justice uh, Chief Justice Barr, uh, they came and they prevailed in that. Now, legally, it's been declared, you guys can remain open. They tried to take their parking lot, all kinds of foolishness, but he has remained open. And today, they run five services, almost 5,000 people pack into that room, one service after another, after another. There's something about taking a stand for the Lord. And I believe in this day, people are looking for people. Are you going to stand for Jesus? Are we going to stand for the word of God? Are we gonna stand our ground or are we gonna shrink back because wow. yes hearing me today? Yeah. Yeah. There is a sifting that's coming. And I heard a statistic this last week that one in five churches will not reopen. Permanently will close. One in five. And for a moment I thought, well, that's sad. But what I believe is happening. Is that this sifting is coming? And the Bible prophesied it over and over again. There's gonna be a separation of the goats and the sheep. There's gonna be a separation of the wheats and the tares, that which is authentic and that which is not. There's gonna be a separation between the lukewarm and the on fire for God. And what I've determined, guys, the Lord will bring judgment to those things. I'm not losing sleep over churches that are closing. Because I'm rejoicing that those who are adamant to stand their ground to war against the enemy, who are going to preach truth, who are going to be serious about souls, who are going to contend for a move of God, God's going to bless them. God is going to bless them. And I declare, we're going to be one of those. We're going to be one of those. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, why don't you stand to your feet? We're going to close in a word of prayer. I've had you sit. I'm not going to make you walk. You can walk in a minute. We're going to stand. Look at your neighbor and say, we're better together. Wow. God is good, amen? Amen. I just feel the joy of the Lord. There's been a real liberty here today. best is is yet to come. I believe it with all my heart. This is a year of fulfillment. You know that. He's going to fulfill his word. He's going to fulfill promises. I never want to end a service without giving an opportunity. There's some who are here today and uh, boy, man, the devil just has a heyday with your life. Maybe sin grips you and you just, you cannot find victory over these things, but Going back to the first thing I was talking about today, being seated with Christ. It says it's by grace we have been saved, not that of ourselves. It's Him, and He gets the glory. Can I just tell you all across this room, I don't know who you are. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what that sin is that drags you down. I don't know what pain is in your life, but I tell you no matter how good or been or how miserably you failed, you cannot earn the favor of God. You cannot earn forgiveness. Jesus lived a perfect life knowing that we were sinners, but he came and the Bible says that he took our sin upon himself and he gave us his righteousness. If we would receive it, The Lord would allow us not only to come into His presence and to sit with Him, but there's going to be a day where we stand before God. It's called Judgment Day. And one of two things is going to happen for us on that day. Either one, He's going to see you. And He's going to see that the blood of Jesus has been applied to your life. That righteousness has been applied to your life. He's going to look at you and He's going to see the same perfect life. That Jesus Christ lives. And He's gonna to say to you, Enter in, my good and faithful servant. You gotta know Him, you have to receive it. There's others who are gonna stand there on that day. The Bible says that they may even cry out, Lord, I did stuff for you. I prayed for the sick, I led a Bible study. But He says, Depart from me. I never knew you. The Bible says they'll be bound hand and foot and they'll be cast into outer darkness. There's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Hell is real. But the Bible says that if we have a living, active relationship with Jesus Christ and we can step into that today, you and I can have the hope of heaven for all eternity. You can be seated with Him, you'll have authority. To see every work and every attack of the enemy defeated over your life. With every head bowed, every eye closed, all across this room, you say, Pastor Jacob, I need forgiveness. If I were to stand before God on Judgment Day today, I'm not sure if I would be received in or if I would be cast out. Before you leave here today, I want you to be sure. I want you to know that you're ready to meet God. The time is short. He could come back any moment. You don't know. Tomorrow's only found in a fool's calendar. You may not make it till tomorrow, but you can know before you leave here today that you're right with Jesus. The Bible says that if we would repent of our sins and we would believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, we would be saved. He said if we would, if we would confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts, He would save us. He would forgive us. If you're here, nobody looking around, but you say, Pastor, I want you to include me in your prayer. I want to know that my sin is forgiven. I want to know that I'd make it into heaven. If that be you, nobody's looking. This is between me, you, and Jesus right now. And you say, Pastor, include me in your prayer. I need forgiveness. If that be you, slip up your hand right now so I know who I'm praying for. I see you, I see you, I see you. I see you there. Are there others? Yeah, I see you back there, sir. I see you right up front here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All across this room. Listen, if you're watching online and the Lord's tugging on your heart, you send us a message you comment say include me in the prayer too I want everybody all across this room just posture your hands to receive come on just lift your hands right now this is a sign of surrender it's a sign of surrender and I want you to pray this right out loud with me everybody pray dear Jesus I ask you Lord to forgive me I've sinned wash me Jesus cleanse me by your blood make me brand new Forgive me of my sin. Give me your righteousness. Thank you for living a sinless life. Thank you for dying for my sin. I believe that you rose again. You're seated in heaven today. And you're coming back soon. I believe I'm going to be ready because of your work in my life Be my Savior, be the Lord of my life, be my very best friend. From this moment on, I am yours and you are mine. Live your life through me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Come on, give him praise.